0: Since day one, the mission has always been to empower people with the tools they need to be in control of their digital lives, their money, communication, and identity. Three things that I believe should be in the hands of the individual and not in the hands of third parties or trusted institutions to run. So Web3, the promise is a user controlled internet and technologies like Ethereum and Bitcoin are kind of at the grassroots level of of building these technologies or building that promise. The key though is how to ensure that the Web2 models don't start infiltrating.
1: You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the Metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Anthony Delorio. In 2013, Anthony funded and co founded Ethereum, the decentralized smart contract platform that at its peak hit over $500 billion in market cap. He is currently the founder and CEO of Decentral Inc., a Toronto based innovation hub and software development company. They focus on decentralized technologies. They're the maker of Jax Liberty, a digital asset platform that has empowered millions of people worldwide with the tools they need to control their digital lives. Anthony's most recent project is Adyami, a quest for liberty, a global tech project designed to power a user-controlled internet whilst complementing and assisting decentralized technologies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and others. We talk about the values behind Ethereum and what made it successful, how decentralization runs the risk of centralization in today's internet, and how he has solved problems using what he calls the perfect model. Enjoy. So with that, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time, and I've been a big fan of your work. Uh, weirdly, since before even I knew that it was your work. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, I would just like to, let's let's start right at the beginning. I know when we we chatted, you were talking about, you know, you had some strong ideas about how to, to build a brand. Can you talk about... Those ideas and how they played out in the early days of when you were setting up um, Ethereum, and how you and the team sort of went about building what's now, I think, probably the second most popular coin on Earth.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you want to start there? Do you want to start before even Ethereum, and uh, or do you want to do you want to start in two thousand? I'm happy to. I'm happy to go
1: further back if
0: if you've got uh, more to share. Okay. Uh... Well my 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 schooling was in was in business marketing was my was my major so kind of ties into the 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 theme of your of your show um and then computers has always been something that's been really big for me back when i was 8 years old i think i was starting to build computers back in the early 80s right when the, the dawn of the personal computing age started um I didn't do computers in school just because that was always my passion and I went into business and followed the footsteps of my dad who's an entrepreneur and inventor and creator. Uh, So I went to school for business, did marketing, but left school Um, after I graduated. I went and worked for a a manufacturing company doing marketing and doing trade shows and I was a director of marketing for, for, for a couple of years. But I, I didn't really have a passion for marketing, and I felt a lot of it and a lot of sales and marketing is really trying to convince someone to do something, and it really doesn't align well with my ethos of how I, how I operate and work. And um, I felt marketing, even if it's something you don't really believe in, the goal of being a marketer or a salesperson is try to get that person or get someone to, to, to make that action and purchase it. So I didn't really align well with the whole ethos of the marketing space and sales space, um, I went and worked for the family business uh, through the early 2000s. And uh, my, my family had a manufacturing company that did sliding patio doors. And I learned a lot more about, about business, how business works, and a, a lot more different areas of working with uh, um, employees and hiring and working with a manufacturing uh, team and just well rounded uh, areas of further along my business, uh, my mm. business work. Mm. Things that business
1: school can't things that business school can't teach you yeah
0: i've I've never been a fan of school i growing up I didn't like going to school I didn't like being told what to do i didn't like normal i didn't like i I like to make my own decisions and school was really was really something I just did not enjoy whatsoever and i I went to university because that's kind of what you do in my family and you go to university but it wasn't and I took business with with the mark. It wasn't a passion of mine. It was just okay. What are you going to do? Well, maybe I'll do that. So, I through my whole time in school, whether it be in grade school and university, I never really cared for it very much. And I don't think I got too much value out of it so aside from maybe the early years learning to read and write and and things there. But it just wasn't it, it, the idea of you know this class and you're being told when and what you got to do and you got to. I just I just didn't enjoy going to school. Um, So in 2008, my dad's uh, family family sold the business and I had an opportunity to to decide what I wanted to do after that. And I got, I went into something called geothermal drilling and I I bought this big drill from Italy and I proceeded to start a drilling company in in Toronto, in Canada, where I'm from. And uh, we would, we would drill hundreds of feet into the ground and use zero temperature to heat and cool buildings. And I, I did it for commercial projects and condominiums and I did it for retirement centers and homes. And, um, at that time there was really, governments were trying to, to push green technologies and there were subsidies. And, um, uh, I'm not a big fan of government subsidies, but I don't need to get into that right now, but, uh, it was a thriving business for a while, but then the, the, the political party changed and the, the, the focus wasn't on really green energy anymore. It became very, a very um, a lot of red tape was being put on the processes, and it just became not feasible anymore for for, for companies to undertake these initiatives that were really remo- reducing the amount of of carbon footprint and reducing the need for combustion systems, and instead using the earth the earth That's to do it. But um, around the same time, I started digging into economics more and understanding what had happened with the financial crisis in the U.S. and in Canada and and Around the world during the whole uh, banking crisis and the whole uh, real estate uh, issues that the U.S. went through in 2008, 2009, and um, I uh, I started digging into something I never really cared too much about, which was economics, and started thinking about and understanding what had happened there. And um, you know, I started dabbling a bit into gold and silver, and started to, uh, kind of uh, learning more about the Austrian school of economics and. We have these two models, the Keynesian school and the Austrian school. You know, the, the Keynesian model is really what's taught with, you know, leads to a lot of a, a debt based society and, and a lot of um, a lot of uh, money that's not particularly sound and a lot of uh, the growth of government and expansion and governments picking winners and losers. And and I started kind of learning more about the Austrian school, which was more about sound money and more about uh, pr- productivity and more about, um, uh, you know. People being creating value and, and limited government and and I started aligning with this type of thing, which was also a lot about freedom to me and getting back to the whole school narrative. But I enjoyed freedom and I enjoyed doing what I wanted to do and not being told what to do. And so I started I started kind of with the economics learnings of what I what I'd had there and and then uh, starting to, to listen to some podcasts about freedom and about uh, um, just just thinking differently about the way the world works in terms of. of um, you know, government is, is there to help, uh, usher society through an interesting time of, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe the ways that governments operate and do things are not the best. And, um, from there, I, I started listening to this one podcast that was about, uh, uh it was called free talk live. And in there, they, they mentioned Bitcoin for the first time. And I'm like, what the heck, what is that? And this was 2012. And, um, I, I grasped the concept right away of the ability to have uh, be my own bank and the ability to to have technologies that were decentralized and the ability for individuals to have more more control over their lives. And it really resounded with me. And I, for the last 10 years, have been in that rabbit hole of the cryptocurrency space. And to me, it was about, about being able to create value and being able to be in control of my digital assets and to not be told... Uh, This is a system that you have to follow. And I then started building businesses in that space. So getting back to your question about branding, um, I mean, the idea is, for me, has always been to do things differently. The idea has been to not do things the normal way. The idea is not to try to, to sell people on things, but to improve people's lives with the way that you do things. And along the way, for me, the branding of what I've done the idea has been to create and build and and along the way, build trust and along the way um, uh, do things where you're not trying to force people to do things or you're not trying to necessarily sell people on things and not telling people what to do. Um, and it, to me, a lot of it's branding. A lot of things is about, you know, I'll, I'll relate it to how I built my personal brand. It's, it's about how can you, how can you be trustworthy and how can you, uh, take the ethos of the space that I'm in, which is a lot to deal with transparency and trust and using technology to help better people's lives. And how do you put that together to create a, 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 an ethos or a leadership structure where people can look and say, hey, I like what this person has is, is done with their life and um, their brands seem to exude the principles of what the person lives by. And, um, and maybe there's some value to you know, to, to learn from what others have done and that that are similar to that. So to me, building a brand is built on the principles for myself and what I I, I abide to. And, And I don't differentiate what I build or what companies I run to me. And they come from me and they come from, from what I believe and stand for. And, and, uh, um, to me, the ultimate way to get trust from people is to, is to be trustworthy and to do things where people feel that they're not getting extracted from, from you. And, Or you're you're not being tried to be convinced or sold something in a way that um, that's that a lot of people will do in terms of you've got to do that. And you've got to do this and listen to me because I'm an expert and I know what's going on. And if you don't listen to me, your life is going to be. So I don't like that mentality. I don't like that way of thinking about things. So for me, the brand is, is, is to be developed on based on who you are. It's not a, it's not an acting kind of thing. It's not, here's my, here's my, who I am. And here's, here's how I have to be different in order to sell this or do that or create that brand. To me, it's, it's about being, being, uh, being authentic as well. All these positive words is what I've always strived to be. It's trustworthy, authentic, um, hopefully knowledgeable, and hopefully someone who's not here to, to convince someone that they have to be or that, that my way of doing things is the right way of doing things. Um, and, and then that, that to me is becomes the, the, a much more natural way to get people and to create movements and to get people together to, to do it if you, if, you, if you do things in that aspect. And uh, with Ethereum specifically, it was about community building and it was about appealing to developers and it was about providing a new, a new expansive way for people who are interested in Bitcoin to say that there's more that, that this technology can do. One of the, the, the biggest life lessons for me over the years and learning was that things aren't black and white and there's a lot of gray middle areas with things. And um, as much as I'm involved in a decentralized movement and my company's is called Decentral, I wouldn't consider myself a full on uh, you know maximalist in terms of decentralization. There's You have to operate in a, in a real world as well with certain things. And uh, there's an end game of where I think things will go. But in the meantime, diplomacy is important. Uh, there's there's um there's the, the idea that um you know there's rules and laws that need to be thought about and um it's 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 some type of middle ground ways to operate uh, in things. Uh, uh with Ethereum, there was a, a big team of eight founders, there was a big community of others involved, and um when you have too many people with things too, you and people making decisions on things that they don't know too much about, um that could be that could lead to problems. So there was always battles between getting decisions made and, and having everybody on board with those decisions. So it's very challenging the more people that are involved in decision making uh, Mm -hmm. to do things. So um, when I first started in the, in the crypto space uh, I started the best way for me to get moving was to start building a community. And uh, that's what I did in Toronto. Uh, The very first meetup was where I met Vitalik Buterin. He came to my meetup. That's where I got to know him. Um, and, And then through other events and things, it's kind of, that's how things progressed and and that's how things move forward by, by, by community building. So, uh, we did a lot of that with Ethereum. The focus was on building a really big community, a global community. And I, I think a lot of the attention on developers and ensuring that, uh, um, the, the builders were there to, to, to create and, and to felt that they, they could contribute to things and the very, you know, open source movements were very big and very prominent with Ethereum and, yeah. how to decentralize things. And I think uh, even though I left the project in 2015, um, that's always been their ethos moving forward. And they, they've grown a massive community, right? Uh, Ethereum is all about, it's about the community. It's about technology. It's about the idea of empowerment. It's about all those those things that um, I think are very similar to what Bitcoin has uh, first initiated back in, back in the early days. So um, community building has always been very important to me. I felt it was the best way to, Get engrossed in something that that was meaningful to me, and that's the first thing I did was setting up organizations to help bring people together that were enthused about the technologies. And I'm I'm hoping that that's you know that's led to the brand that I have, and uh, led to to me designing business models that are not extractive, uh, that people feel that um, um, they're not being taken advantage of or becoming the product, uh, like products I developed. We don't collect user information. We don't. Um, um, we build wallets for different cryptocurrencies, but we don't hold the keys in holding with the ethos of allowing people to be in full control of their assets and mm. not being a custodian. So it's the ethos of the way I, I think uh, I'd like to see things being, which means I'm in free, I have freedom, I have the control to do what I want. And that's, that's kind of um, been, been mirrored in the products and the companies that, I, that I've developed.
1: think that's super cool how how did you balance you know you talked earlier about how you know you don't see a difference between yourself and your values and the companies that you create and operate in now you've got eight people eight founders all with with different values how did you align the values of a group of people like that in order to to build a project because i think it's it seems easier when there's just one leader or maybe two or three to find consensus, but you've already alluded to that with eight people, there's eight opinions, and it's very difficult to find a single clear winner in amongst that.
0: Yeah, it was challenging. Uh, at the time, there were eight eight founders, there were nine votes, Vitalik got a second vote uh, through ever tiebreakers on decision makings that need to be done. He was the initial idea inventor of the idea, and so he got some couple benefits for being that that person and included one of them was making the tie-breaking decision as needed but a lot of the decisions whether they were business focused had people in the eight that didn't have any business background or business skills or Mm. business thinking and it's challenging to let's say um a few people would say let's let's go in this direction because we got to make sure that we're doing things abiding by the rules and regulations of of the countries that we're working in here. And then you have others that say, we don't care about that because we just want to build and do things. It's like, well, there are ramifications. So we had to convince <laughs> and we had to, to really stand up to say we have to do this because even if you don't understand that it has to be done, we have to, because we got to make sure that we're not going to jail or so it's, it's, it was a lot of discussion and a lot of talking, but this is the problem with even democracy whereby um, you know, or even these, these things, if we mentioned decentralized autonomous organizations where you have all these people that are voting for how an entity is going to operate and run, but if they don't have the skill sets or the tools in order to make the, the decisions, uh, it, it can go off the rails because they're mm. just not equipped to understand that decisions have consequences. And if you do things that um, are not done in the best fashion, there may be repercussions down the road. So it was very challenging with Ethereum and, and um I was in a situation there where I'd never expected to have partners again. I had already made my decisions years ago that if I'm running a business, I'm doing it the way that I want to be doing things. But with Ethereum and the opportunity and the way that unfolded there, I didn't have much choice in terms of if I want to be part of this, this is the way that it's going to work. Mm. So I did further learn that, that in the future, I would not want to go back to that situation again. Um, and at the end of the day with ethereum, there was a, a reckoning that happened and um once the money was collected from the crowd from the, the community, we ended up um uh you know raising uh, selling eighteen million dollars worth of product and nine thousand people around the world contributed to the to that funding um, when the money came in, it really was that the attention went right to development, and people that were not developers um you know, it was full focus on development and, Hmm. and that's when you started seeing people, you know, there was, there were the first two initial founders were booted from the project before the crowd sale. Um, I saw the writing on the wall after that with all the money was going towards the development of things. And it worked out for me nicely because I ended up, um, continuing building the wallets and, and running my own business. And, and after I left the project, so things worked out kind of well and, and Vitalik took the reins eventually of the entire project and rightly so. And he's been able to guide it, uh, you know, with, with the help of thousands of other people, but he's been been the face and been the, the, uh, the leader for the project. And, um, you know, he's, it was, it was his idea and his concept. And, and he's always been someone that has been dedicated to decentralization and dedicated to, um, to, not not the the, the money uh, aspects of things and i think he's been he's done a fantastic job as someone that mm. is so young uh leading this project and i can say that we initially stewarded it stewarded it in, in the the team and the initial team and it's been a an ever changing uh, organization and uh quite impressed with where it's gone to today and uh just happy to, to have been part of it with the initial in the in the early stages and i still run Ethereum nodes for our products and and build Ethereum wallets and things like that. But, um, I think in the position it's in right now, even though Ethereum is the only one from the beginning in terms of the founders left, um, you know, and he has a lot of, a lot of say in what goes on at the end of the day, it's down to the community that makes Mm. those decisions. And it is quite decentralized the way that it operates. And, um, uh, especially with stuff happening with the merge and how that's, that's gone through. I mean, it, there's still, have, it still does suffer from some centralization issues and who, who knows how the merge might uh, lead to, 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 to decentralize, to further centralization of large entities that are, that are validators now, but we'll see what happens there. But um, it's, it's always a challenge um, to, to uh, have a number of people making decisions and, these are all governance issues which, which are also very relevant in Bitcoin as well and, and relevant in the world in politics. And I think the idea is that there's technology and the idea that, that uh, new technologies and new ways of thinking and problem solving will hopefully lead to a world whereby people feel empowered to have some type of say in what's happening to them and decisions that they can make. Mm. Um, and that those ideas will, will build upon um, uh, concepts and ideas that operate today with democracies and, and different government structures. And that in the future, uh, new ways of doing things will lead to more people being happy and more people's lives being improved. And, and it all does tie in together with, with technologies that I've been involved with and with Ethereum and with Bitcoin. It's, it's how can we, how can we do things where more people feel that they are empowered to be in control of their lives and not being controlled? I think is is, is a very relevant point.
1: Definitely. I I find it fascinating that you talk about uh, building community and I think community is such a a buzzword, you know, people throw it around quite, quite liberally. Um, And having heard your story, I can see the sort of origins, you know, from the family business of having to understand people and work with people. How do you, Think about building community, I mean you built a massive community in Ethereum, and you know, Decentral is also massive and we 're going to talk about the the new um, project in a in a second, but I think that 's also built around this idea of bringing volumes of people together around a, a shared thought. How do you think about uh, building a brand and a community of people around that brand, and you know for people who are listening, what, what can they think about? To to do it in a meaningful way and not just say oh we're building a community but actually just building a a list of um, people who we can get money from to sell a product and or a service.
0: Yeah, I I think the 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 first thing for me is anything that I've been building and, and been doing is is first and foremost about building technology and sticking to the ethos of what I believe in and not going the easy way out with business models that people may feel that they're extracted models, which is a lot of what tech has gone through over the years. It's, it's turning people into the product. It's extracting either people's personal information. It's people's attention, all these things that, that are made um, that are deficient models, in my opinion, that are not the best way of doing things that eventually lead to a collection of baggage that eventually leads to the demise of, 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 of empires and, um you can consider empires such as a facebook or empires such as a google um they provide services that are very valuable to people i i'm I use google I don't use facebook but I, I use Google I use Google products because they provide and an ease of use and certain things that make people's lives better mm. but on the other end there's the the certain business models where people can feel that they're they're being taken from or they're being exploited and I just don't think that that's the best way to do things so that so for me. I the products that I've created don't use those models. They um they I do we 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 create wallets and we don't provide we don't require any personal information. So you it's a free product, you download our, our wallets and we provide you with uh wallets for Bitcoin, Ethereum, many different cryptocurrencies. And you don't have to provide any information, not even an email address, because I don't want to have it. I don't. I don't want to have to store it. I don't want to have to worry about protecting it. I, I. I don't want to monetize on it because that's the easy way of doing things. And and the easy ways I've learned are not usually the best way to do things. So, to that's that's kind of been the the, the go to model is here's a free product, but it's not really free. You yourself become the product, and the yeah. idea is how can we then with those products how can those people serve their advertisers or serve models that are then. Uh, taking people down a journey in order to sell a product or to do something. And that's unfortunately where advertising models are. And that's where a lot of the uh, models of free, where, where people are, are then using your information or, or doing things where, where you become the product. And I've never liked that model. And I've always felt those models are short-sighted. And eventually they will lead to the demise of, of businesses and above, of empires because of that model. Um, because along as the, the way,
1: as the trust sort of dissolves, then people the trust will dissolves
0: on becomes more and more having to serve shareholders, which is another thing. I don't have shareholders. I, 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 I sorry, I've never taken people's money. I've never take, taken along investors and I've, I've been able to do that. And I'm not saying that everybody's able to do that or it can be done, but a lot of time it's the accumulation of baggage, whether it be deficient business models that you're, that are being used, whether it be um, being beholden to the whims and demands of people that have given you money. And it ends up in a situation that that that's not, it, it all changes to, you had this idea and a thought and you, you hope to do this, but along the way, that accumulation of baggage has led to a situation whereby um, it's either not sustainable, It's it, it ends up not building a movement of people in a community that people feel that they're really happy with what you're doing, It's deficient. And when those deficiencies exist, um, others will come along and provide better situations and can do it in ways where they don't have the baggage potentially. And along the way, just like say empires, if you could consider these these tech companies as empires, you could consider um, the empires of of Britain in the past or the US as an empire. It's, It's a typical curve, empire curve that happens. There's a rise up, And then there's all of these forces that come together that lead to an eventual demise. And something that's always been on my mind is how do you change that? How do you change so that you're consistently rising and you're accumulating people that are, that are aligned with and feel that by joining you, their life is really getting better. And, Mm. and they, they're, they're happy to be part of what you're doing because it's not deficient. And how do you, how do you create a situation that is perfect where, where you can be in and, 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 and stand the test of time because you're not accumulating all of these deficiencies because you either didn't think properly from the beginning, how to problem solve better or how to be a better leader. And you've gone the the easy way out and the easy way out has led to your eventual Mm -hmm. uh, deficiencies and eventual demise. So I've always built things in a way that if I don't like the way that's done, why would I do it myself? So never built with, with advertising models in mind, never built with collection of user information and then, then exploiting that information. So don't collect user information. Uh, we don't even hold customer funds. We're a wallet where the, where the customers hold the keys. I don't wanna mm-hmm. hold your keys. I don't wanna be responsible for billions of dollars in my hands in a centralized system. I'd rather each individual user be educated and understand that they, they and only they have the keys to their digital assets. So our products are non-custodial, meaning that we don't hold the keys. Uh, We don't have access to the keys. If you lose your keys, you're finished. It's gone. There's no backup. You can back it up, but I mean, there's no situation where if you didn't properly do your steps to make sure that you've secured your keys, done it properly, um, because I don't want to hold your keys. So Mm. these different models is how I built my businesses in a way that hopefully provides trust it says that i'm not going to take the easy way out and do the easy ways that others might be doing in order to make a quick buck i'm going to keep building 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 and learning and and building infrastructure and building all the technology tools of 10 years of building to have something that's going to be so valuable that eventually when the time is ready i can then put it to work because you end up learning so much and failures end up teaching you so much and and we're consistent consistently just reiterating and and How do we how do we do things differently in ways that more people are going to like the way we're doing it and not creating enemies and not creating uh, baggage along the way? So that's how I've always looked at things is is thinking the hard way is going to eventually be the the lucrative way and the way that's going to uh, provide longevity of things because you're not um, instituting easier, uh, easier, easier models that have problems and will eventually lead to your demise and that's yeah. that's how I've always uh, looked and perceived at things is how do we maintain trust how do we maintain um, uh, the the knowledge that is needed the technologies and how do we keep building 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 that being first and foremost not profit 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 and how do we do it in a way that that eventually the end game is is because of the way we've done things that's how we can be and live and do things with longevity in mind
1: that's interesting. It sounds like a very different, you know. Do you think Web three provides the models to be able to do this in a better way than Web two does? Do you think this is a a better starting point? These bundles of technology to actually achieve uh, what you're talking about, or do you think this is more of a mindset thing?
0: Yeah, well, to me, the Web three has always been the promise of an internet, a user controlled internet, and mm. it was the promise of the initial internet, and then. To me, because of faulty business models, it's gone off the rails. And now it's in the hands of a few centralized entities that control so much of what's going on on the internet. And And, and Web3 has emerged with the idea that Web2 has deficiencies and that the users aren't in control of their money, communication, and identity, which is the three pillars I've always built for. Um, and I've been building for a user-controlled internet for 10 years. That's It's, it's got the name of Web3 now, but since day one... The mission has always been to empower people with the tools they need to be in control of their digital lives, their money, communication, and identity. Three things that I believe should be in the hands of the individual and not in the hands of third parties or trusted institutions to run. So mm. Web3, the promise, is a user-controlled internet. Um, and technologies like Ethereum and Bitcoin are kind of at the grassroots level of, of building these technologies or building that that, that promise. Um, the key, though, is how to ensure that, that the Web2 models don't start infiltrating um, the situation. <laughs> and that's what we're seeing, unfortunately, is we are seeing yes. centralization happening uh, in, in technologies like Ethereum and technologies that are leading to what should be a user-controlled Internet. But one of the, the passions of mine is, is, is how, to, how to ensure that doesn't happen. But, yeah, that the promise is, is is eventually a, a situation where there is complete ownership and empowerment of individuals uh, on the internet. Um, but that's it has its risks, it has its benefits. and you you have uh, models that are not translating into that business model. So there's a creeping in of uh, of of it just like it happened with Web two. And if it's not done properly, that's going to be what's happening with Web 3 as well. And maybe mm. it's not Web 3 where it'll be, and maybe it'll be a Web 4 or a Web 4 or 5, or how about we just get rid of those numbers and just call it what the internet was initially supposed to be. And maybe that's what we're <laughs> shooting towards.
1: Uh, I like that. I mean, I'm I'm interested. You've, you've built a lot of things, and what you you referenced earlier is that you are sort of – accumulating these lessons either from success or failure and you're rolling that into the next iteration of what you're building. Can you talk about your next project, your new your new thing that you're trying to pull all of your passions together and and how are you thinking about building that brand and that um, company as you
0: move forward? Sure. Um, a little bit of, a little bit of context and background is uh, uh, so this is my tenth year in the in the crypto space I got in in 2012 uh, we started ethereum at the end of 2013 it, it got off the ground in 2014 it launched in 2015 uh, After that I continued building wallets not just for Bitcoin and ethereum but interfaces for and infrastructure so all the tools the internet needed is I recognized would be the same tools needed for a web3 internet so started building the interfaces, the infrastructure, all of the elements that are needed for a user-controlled internet, and that's been my mission for the last number of years. But over the last few years, um, I, I started to think, you know, what, what could I do beyond the, the crypto space and the blockchain space? And what I really um, settled on it was my what, my why, and my how, and it's something that I, you know that I think is important for people to, to be thinking about. It's what is it I want to do? Why do I want to do it? And how am I going to do it with my life or what I'm doing? So I took a lot of time and read kind of, kind of thinking about what I was doing and the why behind all of these stuff I was building in tech and realizing along the way that um, there was a lot of challenges in the space that I'm in. And, 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 and uh, with, the freedom to be in control of your digital assets comes a lot of responsibility. And with the more that you're doing these things, potentially safety issues could arise and things like that. And so I started really, really evaluating where I was and what I wanted to be doing. And then I came to the conclusion that my, what is to be in service. My why is because it makes me happy. And my how is through what I call perfect formula. It's a, it's a framework I've developed to solve problems. And, um, I'd like to say that 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 everybody's good at something, everybody's bad at something, and everybody has a problem. Okay, then, <laughs> And if you consider that in the idea of stakeholders mm. uh, in a problem situation or in a sector or in, in anything when you're solving a problem it's, is there's stakeholders involved. And if you can figure out what everybody is good at and if you can figure out what's missing and if you can figure out what problem all the stakeholders have and then if you create solutions which align what people are good at and utilize those skill sets in, in solving the problem. If you figure out what's missing from the mix to get there. And then if you figure out that every solution that you're trying, when you're solving a problem has to um, improve, you know, solve a problem for each stakeholder, that if you could put that all together, you can create movements of alignment and solve problems in ways that are beyond the normal way of solving problems. And, Perfect formula for me is, is a formalized framework that I've been able to put together to solve micro and macro problems. Um, and I it's a general problem solving framework that I've been able to put together that um, can take what I call micro problems, problems that don't necessarily impact the whole world and come up with optimum win-win-win solutions for all stakeholders. Or macro problems, which are more problems that you can include the world as a stakeholder and then create movements of alignment of putting together what everybody's good at figure out what's missing, and then what problem does each stakeholder have? And you work towards layering solutions together that solve all those three things. And so perfect formula to me is a way that I can utilize what I'm good at, which is solving problems to help solve larger world problems. And that's where my mind has gone a lot to over the last few years beyond the cryptocurrency space is with the formalization of my problem solving framework. How can I utilize that to create the change needed and to create solutions to problems that exist today and there's very many of them and there's very scary problems that are that are on the horizon a lot of them even have to do with technologies that i've helped to create and technologies that exist where we're not prepared for um, the the ramifications of artificial intelligence the ramifications of nanotechnology all these things that that don't you know are not going to be stopped but how do we deal with some of these negative re- repercussions? So. I really was was focusing on over the last few years. How do I go beyond the blockchain space and start utilizing what I'm good at? Because everybody's good at something, everybody's bad at something, and everybody has a problem. And what I've realized by doing case studies over the last couple of years with my framework in various different sectors, from healthcare to education to uh, hospitals to I just I start I do these these for fun case study deep dives with people that are in various sectors, and I I've learned along the way the biggest missing link to what people are bad at is problem solving. Problem solving and leadership are two things that are just sorely lacking in this world that need to be developed more and more in order for us to tackle the very large problems the world has. Mm. So that was always the missing part. It's what people are bad at. People are bad at coming up with solutions or what I was finding, not all people, and I don't like to generalize, but in various sectors, whether it be in finance or whether, whether it be in real estate there's an inability to problem solve beyond the current systems and the way that they work and that the current systems are deficient and the current systems are not leading to situations where all stakeholders are feeling like the solutions are, are leading to wins for them. And it's leading to divisiveness and it's leading to situations where people don't feel that they are, they're being, they're being included in solutions. So how do we align more people to feel that there is win, win, wins across the board and everything. And that's really the, the The ethos of my framework. It's how do we create win win wins for all stakeholders across the board? And how do we utilize the skill sets of all stakeholders to our advantage? And how do we create a team of alignment in no matter what problem is trying to be solved so that everybody is is trying to to work towards the same end game? And that end game has to be inclusiveness. It has to be we can't exclude these people or else we're creating enemies. And it gets back to the default, the, the business models that are faulty. If you're not figuring out ways to create a perfect formula of a, of, a, of, a, of a model that's going to not have 50% of the population hating you because of what you're doing or people feeling that they're being extracted from. If you can move the dial up towards a hundred percent and figure out how to bring everybody together, you're going to create movements of alignment where everybody feels that they're being served. And that's really the, the, the goal of perfect formula for me. And so, so I, uh, Negating the whole blockchain aspect, a lot of my time in the last couple of years has been spent uh, analyzing different sectors and realizing the common threads of issues. and And what I've realized is the lack of problem solving and leadership. So, my objective and my real longer term goal is, is 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 to be is to spearhead using my frameworks a, ne- a new generation of leaders and problem solvers, leaders and problem solvers that are using the framework that I've developed to solve problems and uh, and, and using a framework I'm developing for leadership to create a team of virtuous leaders and problem solvers to tackle the larger problems that the world has right now. Because Mm. without the right leaders and problem solvers to do it, I don't think there's much hope to create the change that is necessary to tackle the outstanding issues that that the world is facing. So that's where my passion is lying. And I found a way to take what I've done in the crypto space and building over the last 10 years to, to to bring the two things together. So my ultimate end game is a foundation to build the next generation of leaders and problem solvers. Okay. In order to do that, it needs, it needs funding. Um, I'm not someone that goes out to investors or people to invest in something it's I don't like that model. Um, I'm not going to go the VC route, or I'm not going to go out and, and and go. So the idea of this new product I'm doing called Anjami, and Anjami to me means let's go. It's Italian word is Anjamo. Anjami to me means let's all go together. It means let's let's work together towards our end games. And Anjami is a culmination of uh, of a number of different. Uh, concepts and ideas around leadership problem solving technology um, how do we mitigate scams in an industry that's very rampant uh, in the cryptocurrency space education so that's like the five pillars of what I'm bringing together with Anjami it's it's how do how can I and how can the project be a leader um, how can we use advanced problem solving to solve uh, problems um, that are existing in the cryptocurrency space. And mostly it's around the centralization, which we talked about earlier, that's happening. Um, There's a centralization similar to web two that's happening in web three. There's a centralization in Ethereum, whereby um, large entities are being, are in control of a lot of the infrastructure and in a similar kind of cloud model that uh, those at AWS and others follow. And -hmm. that's a problem to me is that whenever an, an individual has to entrust a third party institution, for some level whatever that is that becomes a risk point um it's, it becomes a risk area for potential government intervention it becomes a risk point for having to um for that company have to put trust mode trust motives before anything else so how do we empower individuals to be in full control of their digital lives is the is is what i've been doing for 10 years but it's also the main goal of Anjami. It's it's. How can we provide education, leadership, problem solving technology and the tools that are needed for individuals to be in full control of their money, communication and identity? So I'm bringing together hardware, software, leadership, education, all the building I've done in 10 years of technology into a project whose goal is to be a complementary project for every other viable uh, decentralized technology Project that's existing, like Ethereum and Bitcoin. So our goal is to provide the tools that are enabling those projects to flourish by allowing decentralized infrastructure to to be uh, at the forefront. Um, And that's that's our, our mission. Our mission is to help these great technologies to achieve their goals. And their goals are to help empower individuals and to usher in a a world whereby individuals are in control of their money, communication, and identity. So Anjami uses perfect formula and the framework of solving problems to figure out how can we align everybody together and create winning situations for all stakeholders. And to me, the best project is a complementary project, not a competing project. It's one that Mm. provides as many tools for others And says, we're not here to compete with you. We're here to help you achieve your goals via our leadership and our technology of what we've built because we're here to help you succeed, and what you're doing is really important. So, our mission with Anjami is to continue to empower people, it's to assist the great projects that are out there to succeed, it's to provide frameworks on how projects can get better. It's to use our years and years of scam medication that we've had to learn um, being a wallet provider that is dealing with fake uh, copies of our products on app stores every day. It's dealing with fake support sites that emerge that are trying to um, separate our users from their money. Uh, We have a lot of learning lessons there. So it's how can we take those learning lessons to help solve problems in the cryptocurrency space where there's so many scams out there. And there's so many mm. um, so many people out there, unfortunately, that are looking to take advantage of others. So how can we bring education to the table? How can we bring frameworks for projects to get better? Um, how can we bring hardware into the mix and, and technology and tools to allow people to feel that they are empowered in, in a user-controlled internet? And that's uh, this project is is being done to sell product, hardware product, physical products that we are going to be releasing in November or announcing in November. And we haven't officially announced the project. The project is being announced in November, and there'll be details following soon about that announcement and the event where we'll be announcing it. Uh, right now, the whitelist for the project is open at anjami.org, and it's A-N-D-I-A-M-I.org. So we've got a few thousand people already signed up on the whitelist, and and it's uh. But the real announcement will come in November, where we'll be explaining um, uh, the products that we're putting out, explaining um, the the way that we, we we plan on assisting other large projects to, to get their to their end games. And but the end game is is to take Anjami and then the funding from that to fund the foundation to build the next generation of leaders and problem solvers. So. That I, love your, well I love your
1: exponential mind. thinking. How are you sort of stacking all of these pieces on top of each other, which well, it's, I, it's I the find way it fascinating.
0: Works. To me, to me, it it's the, the idea is how how far in the future can you see to be able to understand what's going to be happening down the road, and then how do you piece those things together, knowing that information to provide value to people along the way, and to, and to be able to utilize um, what you've learned and what you're seeing in the future to improve people's lives and that comes back to the being in service model it's the idea of Mm -hmm. being in service how can you take what you're good at for me it's problem solving which is the one of the missing things that's that's most missing and how can you then take that and and use models to show people there are better ways of doing things there's better ways to do things where more people can win Uh, there's more ways of doing things where people can feel that they're being included and not Um, and that's the leadership side and, and, the, and the problem solving side. And that's, that's the longer end, game, the, the, the overall end game is, is this foundation to build a superhero team of problem solvers and leaders that can then tackle the specific problems the world has. And the foundation is not here to solve a particular problem. It's here to, sorry, it's not to solve a particular problem like climate change. It's here to solve a problem of there not being enough leaders and problem solvers to solve <laughs> climate change. So how do we first build the assets and the skill sets of people and the tools so that we have enough people to then solve the greater problems that exist?
1: That's very inspiring, um, Anthony. But uh, I guess we are we are basically out of time, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you one more question, which is, you know, is the, is the perfect model a secret, or uh, can you tell us what it is? No, the,
0: the, the framework for perfect formula is... You know, it's built on processes, tools, and principles. Those are the three elements of it. There's principles that that I that I've adhered to that make it uh, that that follow through the perfect formula. If if you're if you're if you stand for just trying to make a quick buck and making and doing things that that are not principally based, you're gonna you're gonna find the repercussions of that down the road. So it's built on tools, principles, and processes. Okay, the process is. And you, you look at what problem you want to solve. That's the first thing. And what, what what, are we, okay, there's a problem. Who are the stakeholders that are involved there? And you do these deep dives of discovery, um, whereby you're looking to identify every single person who's a stakeholder in that situation. And then you're trying to add the world as a stakeholder. So mm. the goal is to keep adding as many stakeholders as you possibly can to the mix. And then for each stakeholder, you're identifying, again, what are they good at? What are they bad at? And what problem do they have? So you go through each stakeholder, and the goal is to say, what skill set does that person have? Okay, because everybody's got a skill set. So there's always something that you can utilize from somebody to your to your mission. Okay, so let's say it's something in, in in finance, and you've got the financial system is is in chaos, and you have these old incumbents that are trying to to hold on to what they have, and innovation is being stifled. But you can't exclude those incumbents because then you're creating enemies. So what are they good at? Well, they may have a certain amount of capital that you want to utilize. So they're not good at problem solving or foreseeing the future, but maybe their skill set is they have capital that can be utilized. So that's what they're good at. What are they bad at? They're bad at problem solving. They're bad at seeing where they potentially they didn't change along the way. And now they're in a situation whereby it's too late for them because of many factors. And a bank is, is, is not going to be in the future because they couldn't adapt to a new system. Mm-hmm. So they're bad at problem solving, or they were bad at seeing things. And then what problem do they have? Well, they want to stay relevant. Okay. They want to, they don't know, they don't have a plan and they're, they're fearful right now of what's going to happen with them in the future. So you do that for each stakeholder. And then the elements of a solution to the problem have to utilize the skill sets of all of these people. They have to fill gaps where you're missing from a stakeholder asset. So if you don't have a certain skill set, usually it's problem solving. And then the elements of, of a solution have to solve the problem that each of them are dealing with. Mm. And what it takes is some very in-depth piecing together, but that's what's needed in order to create this perfect formula model to solve problems. So it's 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 the framework and, and the processes and the tools that I put together that can take any problem. And there's a champion that takes it from, from start to finish. It involves learning as much as you can about a particular problem, figuring out who the stakeholders are, figuring out which one is good at bad at which problem each one it has. And then it's the ability to piece together elements of a solution so that the solution can get as close to 100% as possible of serve, of utilizing all of the skill sets, of solving all of the, the, shareholder, the, the stakeholders' problems and aligning everybody together to feel that everybody is on the same mission and goal and saying, yeah, by me doing this and, and joining this vision, my life can get better. So mm-hmm. it takes just a level of piecing things together. And that's what you just talked about as well Is you have these end games and it's how do you piece it together so that the outcome serves as many people as possible. And unfortunately, most of the models are, are deficient in the world today in the way that business models have been working. And it's led to people that are not very happy. And it's led to models where people feel that that they're just, they're being extracted from and they're just deficient. And those deficiencies will lead to the demise of sectors and lead to the demise if they're not turned around and figure out how to create more movements of alignment between people, where people feel they are being included, where people feel they are part of the solution, where people feel that they're being served, where people feel they're empowered. And that's what the goal of perfect formula is, is is a plan to, to piece it all together using the framework that I've used for many, many, many years, and has worked well for me is to now take that, put it into this foundational entity, using those frameworks to build the next generation of leaders and problems problem solvers to help the world to solve the bigger problems. So um, it's 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 that's 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 in an, in a nutshell, perfect formula.
1: That's. I mean, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I'm very glad that I get to live in a world where you're building these things that that I get to experience and be part of. So thank you so much for your time today, Anthony, and thank you for all the things you've built. And uh, I look forward to seeing you succeed with Anjami and everything beyond.
0: Thanks, Ross. Thanks for having me. I appreciate
1: it. It's a pleasure. And we'll catch all of you in the next one. Bye-bye. for listening we believe sharing knowledge is an obligation so if you know someone who's building a brand or need some inspiration for their brand please share this with them this is our fourth season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released even better leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening one more question is brought to you by the people of nice work We're on a mission to build purposeful Web3 brands that people care about. We're based in South Africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za. Bye-bye.